in a few weeks um, have the privilege, and I'm looking forward to turning 60. And uh, just to make you really jealous, uh, I will be celebrating it with my beautiful wife in Italy. So, uh, so you can all repent now. But uh, the reason I say that is that uh, about 29 years ago, with a good group of close friends, uh, we can't do that anymore, but we climbed um, Katajuta, which is Ez Rock. And uh, as we went up there, uh, I just cried out to God, and uh, I'm really loud. Thank you. And everybody said, yes, we know you're loud. <laughs> but uh, as I stood up there, I started weeping for my nation, the great Southland of the Holy Spirit. And uh, I, we, we knelt with our mates up at uh, Katajuta, and I'm not sure if Jeremy Simpson is here, but he was, there he is. And uh, we climbed up, and, uh, and the Lord gave me this word that in, in, in the right season, he would pour out a move of the Holy Spirit uh, over our nation. And it would take some time, and it would take some maturity. But uh, at that time, I saw what Jade's already alluded to, that there was a blue flame over our nation and 29 years ago. And uh, I feel that we are living now as Aussies in one of the greatest seasons of our life. I've uh, waited a long time, a long time to see what God's doing in our nation right now. The level of the supernatural, the level of unity, not uniformity, can I say that? God doesn't want uniformity, praise the Lord. Seven colors in the rainbow, amen? We own the rainbow. And I want to say to you, if you mixed all the colors of the rainbow, you get one color, poo brown. And so, uh, true story. And so we are seeing right now, God redeem what the enemy will for evil, that God's redeeming. There's a maturing in our nation. There's a growth in the prophetic. There's a growth in the supernatural. As we shall see in a couple of minutes, that uh, the, the plan of the enemy, and I will prophesy in a minute what it is, but God is never intimidated. God's never caught by surprise. It's not like he woke up one day and he said, what, COVID, what shall we do now? I felt that COVID was one of the most incredible seasons where a lot in the church was kind of stripped naked, and he brought us back to the place of the basics in Jesus, and it's brought the best out of us in this nation. I so appreciate we have our precious friends from other nations here, but this is an Australian equipment, and I want to say well done. Well done to every pastor, pastor's kids. I'm one of them. My dad planted five churches. They're all going well. We're going to visit them in two weeks' time. But I'm thankful for what the Lord's doing in our nation. And I'm thankful for what we are seeing. We're seeing in the streets of Dandenong where we live. Just incredible move of God. Once a month, the whole church comes out and we bring the agape love of Jesus in the marketplace. We did an incredible conference with Greg and Amanda Campion, amazing pastors in, in Port Macquarie, and uh, our airline got cancelled altogether. And so we had to go to a place called Newcastle, and my attitude really stunk. And I was really angry because I hate traveling because I'm six foot six and I hate being cooped in a plane. But as we got out of the car, on the corner of our eye, Greg and I saw this lady 
having what I perceive having been a cardiac nurse, a full cardiac arrest. She was collapsing. And so right in the middle of of the spot, we started praying in the Holy Spirit, praying in tongues. And she's gripping her heart and we prayed and we, she let go of that and we saw God's manifest presence bringing healing in spite of my bad attitude. We were praying, praying, uh, preaching at Lighthouse the other day. We had a great morning and I was, I don't know about you when you preach, I'm done, I'm cooked. Just don't talk to me, I'm a grumpy bum. But as we walked out, this beautiful Asian couple looked in, popped out and the Lord says, go and talk to them. I said, no, I'm tired. I want to have a coffee. Let one of the other elders do it. And the Lord said, I'm asking you to do it. So I went and spoke to her. And in my grumpy state, I went up to the lady and I saw the wedding band on her hand. And I said, you've been married. You can't conceive. And you've got endometriosis. And I just said it out of my exhaustion. She burst into tears. And then Maria Nestoris was with me and we prayed for her. And we just prayed a release and just a word of knowledge. And we've seen this over and over and over our nation. We've seen deliverance, ministry, people falling in love with the word of God, a maturing in our nation. And I really feel prophetically that God's using what he's doing in the great Southland and he's sending it out to the nations. He's raising us up to be the men of, and women of God, the Anzac spirit to go out with a fearless determination that we will go in the name of Jesus. Amen? Amen. One great season we're in right now. Amen? Amen. Jesus is incredible. And I want to say thank you to all of you for running the race. When you wanted to quit, we were with the Dietrichs for breakfast this morning, Angela and Caroline. Thank you for staying there. When cans, people come and go, you stay there. And God's using you right now in a different season. But thank you. Thank you for all of you through cancer, Beck Prosser, through all the stuff that we go through. You say, but for me and my house, we will praise the Lord. We are going to be a people unto God. And we are in an amazing season in God. Don't let the media, the lies of the devil through the media put you off from what God's doing right now. I better start, start. It's already started. So this morning I want to uh, preach. We've got a little surprise happening in about five minutes. Declaring the oracles of God from the mountaintop. I'm going to preach on the prophetic. The word oracle comes from the word logion where we get the logos word of God. And they are the utterances of God. And I really believe and I'm going to uh, kind of uh, bring a word more to the prophets in the house. And the people who really feel moving in the prophetic. Because I believe that God's calling us in Australia to sharpen our tool. It's not business as usual. It's not a kuna matata, give a word, and if it works, praise the Lord. No. God's calling us out of the valley of dry bones. There was, in my understanding, only one time that he preached, prophesied in the valley, back to the mountaintop to get a perspective from where the Holy Spirit is, to get an understanding of the Father heart of God. I want to say it now in case you fall asleep. Buckley's chance of that this morning. If you are not a woman or man of the closet, don't dabble in the supernatural. Everybody says to you, get out of the closet. We are saying come into the closet of prayer and fasting. If you're not a man or woman of prayer or fasting, don't dabble in the supernatural. Russ Cahards, what a word last night. The presence, the angelic 
sense of God. But I want to say, you want to grow? You want to sharpen your tool? You want to prophesy? You better be a woman or man of prayer. In the closet, I thank the Lord for my puppy dog, Prince. We go for a walk and we pray. And then I thank the Lord for Victoria. It's got some of the best rivers. And I go fly fishing. And so for an, about six, seven hours, I'm in the river of God. Nobody, I just pray in tongues. Give me another trout, God. Shitarama Sunday. Oh, yes, Lord. See, God blesses me. He gives me trout. 1 Peter 4.11. If any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God. The words of God. If any man minister, let him do so in the ability which God gives him. Not somebody else. If you prophesy from the valley, you're prophesying what everybody else does. God's sick and tired of regurgitated prophecy. It's time, and Dale Mathic will say this, time for new manner. Time to prophesy the oracles of God because you've been with him. Stop listening and start getting into the closet. And then it says this, that God in all things may be glorified. Want to say this? If prophetic, if the oracles of God don't always bring us back to Jesus, pass it to the keeper. Every opportunity is because the testimony of all that we do is to bring glory to our king. To bring glory to our king. We're in a great season right now. And God's bringing the supernatural in the streets. He's equipping us so we can be ministers of reconciliation into the marketplace. Now, now is our time. Now is our time to rise up. Stop being offended. As Matt Doty said the other day, start being discipled so you can disciple other people. What a season in God. 1 Corinthians tells us we can all prophesy. The mantle of the Old Covenant, the Old Testament prophet, is being thrown upon now the priesthood of all believers. And in 1 Corinthians 14, it says, Be jealous, be zealot to prophesy. So you can be a medium to exhort, equip, and comfort those into the body of Christ. All of us can prophesy. All of us, as long as as we do it with agapeo love. Enough, enough of just prophesying because we like to look good. If you don't carry the agapeo love of God, the purity of love, shut up. In our church, they're printing a T-shirt for me, bad elder. Hey, it's okay to have fun. We even talked about sex yesterday. All right, I'm the only one who enjoys it. Some are called in the gift and the office of the prophet, according to Ephesians 4.11, to equip the saints for the work of ministry so there's unity amongst us until King Jesus comes back. We're not quite there yet with unity. Can I say that? We all have pride and prejudice. We all don't like each other. It's not about you. It's never about you and I. It's always about Him. Filter everything you do 
is this about Jesus? Prophecy expresses the heart of God through the words of a man or a woman. Praise the Lord, men and women. Amen? Amen to the kid at the back. For the purpose of building, exhorting, and comforting. Dudley always taught us this, a prophetic people. That's us. We are a prophetic people. We are a weird people. Prophets by its very nature are weird and wonderful. Wearsby, a commentary on Ezekiel, called him weird and wonderful. Turn to the person next to you and say, you are so weird. All right, enough. Would you turn with me to weird, weirdo, with a beardo. Would you turn with me to Habakkuk chapter two. Habakkuk is what they call a minor prophet. I don't believe that we have major and minor prophets. You either are a prophet or you're not a prophet around the seventh, eighth century. Habakkuk chapter two. And so Habakkuk is in a season where there's chaos, disaster everywhere, gender dysphoria, misunderstanding with sexual identity. I'm just putting modern day words in there. And there's everywhere. And he's saying, oh God, he can see it everywhere. And God is saying to you, get out of the valley and come on to the wall. Come on to the rampart. It's so easy to prophesy from what we hear down here. God wants us to prophesy because we've been in the face of Jesus. Too often we get in the praise. It's easy for a prophet to get drawn into a prophetic word that people want to hear. Until the rebuke comes in three minutes. Love you. New King James Version, have a... Habakkuk chapter 2, and I will stand my watch. We could stop there. Stop flapping around people. It's God saying this, and God saying this, and this voice is saying this, and I need to respond to that. He stands on the wall, legs firm, legs firm. When I'm in the river, the torrent's coming down. My legs are planted when I'm fly fishing. Otherwise, woohoo, I'm going for a swim, baby. It's time for us to stop swimming. Stand for something. Stand for the Word of God. Stand for the presence, the majesty of Jesus. The prophetic people of Jesus are people stable in the Word of God. No matter what comes, you're ready. He said, I will stand my watch and set myself on the rampart, which is on a wall. And so I can see. And watch to see what He will say to me. Watch this. Not I will hear, I will watch. He's looking. He's attentive to what the Father does. Jesus said, I only do what I see my Father doing. Prophets, prophetic people, whatever category, I don't care less. Be people who are watching Jesus. Don't watch the latest YouTube and Instagram. We are people who watch Jesus. We are led by the Spirit, it says in Romans. No, but every wind and this prophetic word. and that. Thank you, Lord, for all the band of prophets around the world. But what is he saying in you and through you? What God always says in you, he always does that because he wants to do it through you. Oh, what another word, another word. Who likes getting a word from the Lord? What's the last thing you've done with the word you already got from God? Stop it. Stop it. Unless you put into practice the word that God gave you, why ask him for another one when you've already been disobedient? 
I'm trying to preach it. I'm doing my best. Sweating it. And watch what he'll say to me. And I will answer when I'm corrected. Then the Lord answered me, verse 2, write the vision and make it plain on the tablet. I love this. Write it down. Before you open your mouth, wait. So many people just go ahead of God and make it plain on tablets. Make it plain. Don't be weird. Make it plain so people can understand. Don't add to the chaos. The role of the prophetic is to bring order, as we will see. For the vision is yet for the appointed time. Oh, the timing in the prophetic. One of the hardest things to receive is the timing of God when you get a word. You know that it's great to receive a word, but I want to say we need to partner in the prophetic and we need to wait for the timing of God. On Sunday morning at Lighthouse Church, God gave me an answer to a prophetic word that God spoke to me 20 years ago. Imagine if I got impatient and I took matters in my own hand. Oh, the prophetic's not waiting. Things are not happening. So I will help God. I will help God. I will help God. And we do it subtly. We do it subtly in our preaching. We do it subtly in our leadership. We try to help God because we get impatient with timing. I'll never preach again, but in any case. Though it tarries, wait for it because it will surely come. I want to say this. If God speaks, not one word will return void to him. See, God doesn't say much. I wish he spoke a little bit more. In fact, I get very impatient with God. By now you've gathered, I get very impatient. Thank you, Lord, for my wife, Monica. 30 years, a couple of days ago. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm going to Italy with her, not you. So shut up. Couple of things in the context, and then I'm going to have some fun. He's on the rampart and sees chaos, but before he speaks, he gets God's perspective. He stands, he's not panicked by the chaos, he's not put off by the chaos, but he brings God into the place. His eyes are fixed on Yahweh. Before you dabble in anything in the, in the apostolic, prophetic, fivefold ministry, you better be a man or woman who looks in the eyes of Jesus. We sung last night, turn your eyes upon Jesus. Sung it at my dad's funeral. A man who's led hundreds and hundreds and hundreds to Christ and planted five churches. You ask him what was his favorite thing to do. He sing that song, turn your eyes upon Jesus. Always. Three, God answers Habakkuk. He answers his questioning. And God gives Habakkuk a kingdom perspective. So it's easy for us to speak what we see, but we need a kingdom perspective. We need to hear what the king says. This morning, because I haven't slept for, for days, I said, what do you want to say? They're not here to hear an old man speak. They're here to have an encounter, to see you know, God's presence come upon us, to see religious spirits busted up in this place, to see the spirit of the Lord, disappointment and brokenness lifted off. But you want to hear that from Jesus, not from me. And so God gives Habakkuk a kingdom perspective. We are men and women of the king and the kingdom, period. If you never preached anything else, just preach that. The prophet finishes with a powerful declaration, though the fig tree does not bud 
and there are no grapes on the vines, though the olive crop doesn't fail, and the fields do not produce, the sovereign Lord is my strength. Amen? Amen. Though I have cancer in my family, though depression has come in, anxiety, though the devil has come, and we know as a family what it means to battle in warfare, David. Great preach the other night, mate. And to battle and to look at the devil eyeball to eyeball. And to say, as for me and my house, you will not touch my house. But we fight the good battle because the sovereign Lord is my strength. Couple of lessons. Number one, prophets are women and men of encounter. You are on the rampart. You are on the wall. You're on the mountain of God. And that's where you start and finish. The place of intimacy. Number two. Prophets bring order, the order of heaven, in a chaotic, crazy world. Prophets bring order. The number one, the number one assault of Lucifer right now The number one assault of Lucifer right now is to abort young babies, to bring suicide, anxiety, depression, gender fluidity, confusion upon our young people. The level of suicide in our nation is at an all-time high and he's destroying the bloodline of God's family. He'll do it whatever way he can because he wants to stop what God ordained in the Genesis. The greatest attack on the church is on the first 11 chapters of Genesis. And God said, man and woman to the exclusion of all others. We don't preach this, it's the truth of God. But the devil is trying to destroy in our Christian families. And do you think that God's disturbed by that? Do you think he's panicked? You know what his answer to that is? I will raise a generation of apostles and prophets. Oh, there's Levi. Apostles and prophets, evangelists, pastors and teachers. The church of Jesus is in a good place. And to the lies of the enemy, God says, I will rise a generation that will be oracles on the mountain of the Lord and they shall speak. Thank you, Father. I just, over this conference, especially last night and this morning, there's just been such a theme and feeling of bringing us all back to a state of reverence. And I feel like in this country right now, in Australia, I feel like we do a great in this room as we see it now, but I feel like we need to take this back to our churches, this idea of coming back to reverence, this idea of just, excuse me, this idea of just having this true respect and fear for the Lord. I just feel like we just need to keep going after that. I feel like it's something that's easy to forget. I feel like it's something that we get too comfy. We get too close to the tabernacle and it's something that's just quick to go over our heads. But I just really feel it on my heart right now. It's something to really, just really press in and take back to our churches at the end of this week Amen. and moving forward. Amen. Amen. I just feel there is a revival coming. And it is a revival that is going to be marked by repentance and purity that's going to be seen in the church. And people are going to feel the fire of the Lord because they're going to get in his face. 
So today, if you have been crying out for his fire, he's saying, come close (laughs) and look in my face because this is a season for sons and daughters to arise. So today, Lord, we ask for your fire to come. Thank you, Lord. Um, Something that's just been really on my heart, um, I know that Greg spoke about, you know, um, rejection and things like that, and something that was really on my heart is um, stepping out in faith. I think that sometimes we do hesitate. As Christians, you know, you're worried about that rejection from people, you know, the people that are closest to you, if they're non-Christian, they're the people who you want supporting you the most, and you would hate for that rejection. So um, I think that, so coming from a young person, you know, you have those struggles of, um, having that feeling of rejection, you know, you don't want your friends judging you just because of what you believe, just because of the incredible power that backs you. Um, so something that really stood out to me is um, stepping out in faith and laying that seed, just that simple, you know, I'm praying for you, man, or, you know, I, I really hope that you're doing well, you know, Jesus is behind your side, you know. There's um, a verse in 2 Corinthians, um, 2, it's either 2.14 or 12.14, and it speaks about... Um, uh, where is it? And through us spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of him everywhere. So I, um, I just pray that, you know, coming away from this thing, that you can just spread that fragrance. You know, you smell something, you have that good smell. You know, you walk past a bakery, you smell that, that, fresh, um, that fresh pastry, that, that smell lingers in your, in your head. And, you know, that feeling of, you know, being able to spread that fragrance of God, you know, People will walk away with that fragrance of God in their head, and I just pray that, you know, you can come away and, you know, just spread that seed to those people who really need it, because you never know who's right there on the edge and just needs that little, you know, I'm praying for you to just be like, you know what, I'm going to go, I'm going to go to church, I'm going to pray, I'm going to see what this, you know, this whole Christianity thing's about. Amen. I really just feel out uh, to cry out for Gen Z um, in Australia. Um, I'm feeling holy fire to rise up in us. Um, Yeah, I kept saying that blue flame, that pure flame for Jesus. Yeah, Lord, I speak that out, Lord. Holy fire to roar against Gen Z, Lord, that they would rise up, Lord. Oh, Jesus. They would would find you, Lord, where they're looking, Lord. They'll find you, Jesus. Pray for pure worshippers, Lord, in spirit and truth, Lord, that they would know you, Jesus. They would see your face, Lord, that they would know that nothing else can satisfy, Lord. There's nothing that compares to you, Jesus. Yes, Lord, we cry out for Gen Z, Lord. They are holy and royal and royal priesthood. Yes, Lord. Amen. Well done, bud. Um, I just feel like there's a call to action in the moment, and that God is saying, awake, O sleeper. Now is not the time to sit. Now is not the time to be comfortable. Now is the time to get up, stand up, and rise up, because now being comfortable, you're not going to grow. God has put a calling on our lives, and if you want to grow in that place, you need to be, be comfortable with being uncomfortable. You need to get up and not sit down during this time. Um, I had a dream a little while ago, and... I just I saw a picture of a woman and she was kneeling kneeling on the ground and her hands were over her head and it was just this really useless position and I believe um, that this woman represents the bride of Christ and then on this woman's back there was just it was a beautiful tattoo of a wave and I just believe it's a picture of the wave that is coming to Australia and it's going to be a powerful move of God 
and it is going to bring the fear and the power of God back to this nation, and it is going to break through the lies of the enemy, and it is going to bring the truth of God, and it is going to crash over this broken nation so that every person will lift up their eyes and see King Jesus, the King that they have been searching for. And I also just feel that God is just saying that for this wave to be effective and, as pow- and powerful in this nation, that he is asking his church, his bride, to stand up, to rise up and be a mighty people. When this wave comes, there is going to be a weight to it. And we have to be ready. We have to be a people of capacity, a strong people that can carry the weight of this wave on our backs we just need, we need to allow God to increase us and stretch us for this next season. Amen. See, we talk, we talk about the next generation and raising them up, but we need to release them. See, the devil wants to shut them down. And he'll bring whatever he can to shut our babies down. And you know what God says? No, let them go. 5,000 young people just marched in Rome a couple of weeks ago. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. And worshipped in Rome. Would you come now to Nehemiah 6? And I've got 10 minutes left. Amen. Wasn't that good? So this is Ephesians 4.11. Equipping the saints for the work of ministry. We think, oh, they have to be like we are. I'm 60 and I've been prophesying roughly since I was six, seven years of age. But we need to release them just as they are. I hope you can bring that in your church. We know in our church that Matt and Elodie are always bringing the youngsters up. We have, you know, Henry last last Wednesday at prayer and, and he brought a word and somebody brought a design out of the mouth of babes. Stop being so proud. Stop it. Stop being so proud. We want revival. We want our churches to grow, but we won't do the simple things. We want to be this prophetic people with titles. Praise God that our title is, I, Paul Zanardo, a bond slave of Jesus Christ. Amen. You want the supernatural? The church of Jesus in Australia is in a great place. Number one, God says, stay on the wall. Stay on the wall. But he also says, don't get off the wall. Because we get on the wall, get off the wall. Habakkuk stood on the wall. And Nehemiah 6 is a great, great chapter in the context of Nehemiah the prophet who gets a compassion for, 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 for the, the city of God and he gets favour of God and he rebuilds it. But God, uh, God loves what we do, but I want to say there is an enemy and his name is Lucifer. Satan hates this generation, hates that we are building what God's building. And my understanding of the New Testament understanding of coming on the wall is building the kingdom of God. Not building people away. We don't build the people to keep them out. We're building walls, invisible walls. So people come. The nations come. But the enemy will always try to get the prophet and the leader off the wall. He'll do whatever he can to (laughs) destroy.
He'll do whatever he can to stop you from being the oracle of God and come into the valley. And so in Nehemiah chapter 6, the title on the New King James Version is Conspiracy Against Nehemiah. I'd love to read it all, but, and I've just lost, oh, here, thank you, Jesus. But here it is, it's come back. And so in the context here, there are three guys who are doing everything that they can to get Nehemiah off the wall, stop building what God's asked them to build. I wanna say to you, would you open your hands now? Just open your hands. I'll say it in English. Open your hands. What's God asked you to build? What's God given you? What talents has God given you to use so you can build His kingdom? It's never yours. Then don't let anybody stop that. Don't let disappointment, whatever it is, be faithful with what you have. We would not be standing in this building if it wasn't that Leo and Christine Nicotra would refuse to get off the wall. Thank you, Leo. Thank you, Christine and the Nicotra clan. 25 years ago, I met Leo and Christine in some bowling club in Leichhardt, a dingy old place. And look where we are now. Why? Because he refused to get off the wall. He refused to compromise with the Holy Spirit. He refused to bow down. And he says, even though the fig tree shall not blossom, still I will see the Lord deliver us. Some of you are in this place right now. You may be praying for a building like this. Well, I hope you pay the price that these two paid. Don't ask God if you're not prepared, prepared to pay the price. So, attack number one. I love war stories. Giving them to me. Attack number one. They say to him, and please read it. So Nehemiah, come off the wall and come into the valley of Ono. Oh no. God is saying to us prophetically as a people, don't go back into the valley of oh no. Go into the valley of oh yes. They want to bring him into the valley of despair. I get Ezekiel 37. It was the first sermon I ever preached 40 years ago. But God is calling us to come up here so we can have a bigger picture. Don't come into the valley. Speak into the valley. Speak into depression. Speak into anxiety. Bring the freedom of heaven in there. That's what the prophets are doing. See, the prophetic people are jostling for power and position. If you're not submitted to your local eldership, again, too many unbridled prophets, too many prophets that run around, flap around, whatever around, and not are submitted to the eldership of a local church, the highest governance in a local church. I thank the Lord for Matt and Elodie, who are 20 years younger than I am. It's a joy to submit to you both, a joy. I am submitted to these two people. You know why? Because my job is to make their joy complete and to bless them and not to compare or, or bring headaches to them or, or try to usurp anything except to build a kingdom to God as mates. Thank you, Matt and Ellie, for the, la for the way you release us as elders. It's easy. It's easy. He just says, go for it, go for it. And I keep on asking him, should I, should I? 
He says, go for it, go for it. And he says, together. That's the picture. You want freedom? Submit. It's a beautiful word. So they tried to bring him in the valley of Ono and four times, see the enemy is relentless and the prophets are now saying to the church, don't stop building the kingdom. The role of the prophet on the mountain of the Lord is to speak courage and encouragement, not to bring more confusion. Some prophets just do my head in. Flip an egg. What are you talking about? A word came out during COVID at Melbourne, the most locked down city in the world, that on this particular day, at this particular moment, there would be no more steak at Coles and Woolies. I am a naughty boy. On that day, on the very exact time, I went and took photos, <laughs> trays and trays of meat. And I sent it back to my friend. He said, guess what I'm going to be eating for dinner? <laughs> T-bone steak, baby. We need to be accountable with the words we give. We need to be accountable. Submit it. We get it wrong. We only know in part. And so Nehemiah says, I will not go there. He hear his response. So I sent a messenger to them saying, I'm doing a great job. Isn't it good? I feel the Lord say to us in this room today, you're doing a great job. Don't get off the wall. Don't get off the wall. Don't get distracted with what you do or don't have. The building that, yeah, don't, don't get jealous of Leo and Christine. Many of you have never paid the price. Hours and hours and hours and hours around, lay, around five dock. Leah would get up at five in the morning and pray and pray and pray and pray and pray. And I'm sure that Sambalat came up to her and says, get off the wall. Go and do something else, Leah. And Leah said, I don't know how to do anything else. I started in my mother's garage. I got imprinted by the Holy Ghost. I'm a Holy Spirit man. I'm married to a woman who's crazy about Jesus. Who's in love with Jesus. We're not going to compromise. What am I going back to? Nineveh? Flip no. Attack number two. Sorry, attack number one. And I've got one minute left on my flip. Attack number two. When they couldn't get him in the valley of Ono, of ono they started spreading rumors about his character. A word to the prophets. Watch your character. Watch your sexuality between a man and a woman in marriage, just in case I need to explain it. Watch your finances. Watch your tongue. Watch your attitude. The enemy will attack your character more than anything else. And David led them with integrity of heart and skillful hands. You can be the greatest prophet in the world. If you don't have character, you've got zip, nada. If you're not submitted, zero. But when you live out of that place of humility, and so they attack his character, they attack his character. Keep your heart pure. Keep your marriage sacred. Husbands, spoil your wife rotten. Husbands, take your wife to Italy, but not in two weeks. <laughs> I just don't want to see you. And the prophet said, for they were trying to make us afraid. The hand will be weakened at the work. But he said, I will stay at my post. 
And I have never lied against God. Yes, my time's up. Attack number three. They can't get him in the Valley of Ono. They can't attack him on character. So often, Lucifer will attack you in the house of God. He said, let's come into the house of God that we can talk. Let's come in here and close the doors. And he smells the rats. The religious spirit will always try to lock you into the house of God. The prophetic, the supernatural, the kingdom of God needs to come out of our four walls and get out. This is the only time that you come out of the closet. Once you've been in prayer, now you come out and you bring the agape love of Jesus. Prophets, train people like we did this morning. Wasn't that beautiful? To be the voice of God against the evil in the marketplace, into our schools, our education system. Because we are so strong in church, aren't we? We have Holy Ghost parties. It's time to have Holy Ghost parties on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday. Prophets of the living God, get out of the building. Train the people to bring the glory of the Lord into the marketplace. Then we will see a revival. 